Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolfe. Most of you watching today know children who are in our schools right now. We've talked a great deal with educators and students themselves about the challenges and promising moments of this year. On today's show, we will talk with three elementary school principals about how our kids and educators are doing and what we need to consider as we wind down the school year. We wanna note how significant and often thankless the role of our principals has been during these past two plus years of the pandemic. Research tells us that principals are the second only to teachers school-related factor that influences student outcomes. Please stay tuned to hear from principals Sandy Chambers, Suzanne Owen, and Adrian Perry. You will not wanna miss this discussion. I am so pleased today to be joined by two outstanding principals that I've had a chance to work with over the years. Sandy Chambers is the principal of Hortons Creek Elementary School in Wake County, and Suzanne Owen is the principal of Cliffdale Elementary School in Cumberland County Schools. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Thank you. I have long admired your approach to leadership kids and your schools. How would you describe how kids are doing right now, and what have you learned from this school year as we hopefully emerge from the pandemic? I've been the principal at three different schools. I've been very blessed to have three great schools, three very different um, you know, experiences, and I know that every school is different. So Sandy may have a very different um, you know, feeling about what's happened this year, but my children came back this year really socially and emotionally needy. Um, they had very difficult times with being able to make and build relationships. They had really difficult times with just learning how to manage conflict. Um, and so it's almost like the year that they were gone, they lost everything they ever learned about how to socially interact with other people, especially adults. Um, then they came back to us and we're all wearing masks. They cannot see our emotions. They don't see us smile. They don't see us, you know, anything. And so um, the big social emotional gap, I think for them was incredibly difficult. So we do a lot of common language here. We do a lot of restoration, restorative talks here. Um, we're trying very hard to make sure that children know how to manage conflict, how to build relationships. And we see that definitely um, getting better since the very beginning of the school year. But we still do have a lot of difficulty with children just socially, emotionally. So you know, we we built in things for them specifically to be able to be able to move from where they were to where they are now. We start our day every day with social emotional lessons for children. So for a minimum of 20 minutes, most classes are 30. We do a social emotional lesson with every child before we start their day. And every child has the opportunity to talk about what happened last night. Like when you got home, what happened after school or Georgie, why are you so grumpy today? So just giving children the opportunity to use their words to be able to understand their triggers and also to be able to understand why am I sad today or why am I feeling this way today? Um, because that, and then normally at the end of the day, we'll take 10 minutes 
and we will wrap up that social emotional lesson. So not only are we talking about what happened to you when you got home last night, but what happened to you during the school day that might have triggered you to feel some kind of way or even what made you happy? What let your joy shine on other people? So I'm very excited about that. And I'm also excited about the fact that we work very, very hard because Sandy and Marianne, you know, I'm telling you, we've had a lot of behavior issues. So we work really, really hard to do restoration with our children so they understand where is that coming from? Why is this happening? What can I do just as a citizen to be the very best citizen I can be? Sandy, I know you also have experience in a couple of schools. So I'm curious to see um, you know, how your kids are doing and what you've learned this year as we emerge. Well, I can definitely say that our students were so excited to return to school. We, um, in Wake County School, we were able to come back to um, in-person learning in the fall of 2020, but <clears throat> we still had a virtual academy available for students who felt uncomfortable or families that felt uncomfortable. So at my particular school, we, we probably had about 30% of our students in person. Um, so which which was not a lot. But what I would say that I've learned through this whole thing and how our kids are doing now that we have probably this year we have about 80% in the building in person. Um, they are doing much better socially and emotionally. However, um, I would agree with everything Suzanne said, but I would also add that our work habits, this the work habits that the students would have um, continued to build on starting in kindergarten of, you know, how do you sit and listen for 10 to 15 minutes? How do you collaborate with others? How do you, um, you know, socialize on the playground? How do you uh, communicate in the cafeteria? And then, you know, again, just behavioral habits, but then work habits in the classroom was really tough and has been tough for our kids because they have not been constantly reminded of this is how okay now we're going to transition to this and we're going to transition it's going to take us 30 seconds so that whole piece of being in a classroom when you probably have two hours a two-hour block how are you how are children working during that time are they on task or are they on task for five minutes and then they're going to the bathroom and they're on task again for five more minutes and then they're going to the bathroom. So our kids have not built up that stamina. Those work habits are really lacking. Um, and so that's one thing that we've been working on and we noticed probably after the first quarter that, you know what, it's not behavior, it's work habits. We need to focus on our values as a school and what what is the culture we've been cultivating before COVID and what is the culture we want to continue to cultivate through this pandemic. And the good thing is it's the same. So our creed is all about how other people matter, how we value other people and, and just the connections that relationships is what's really important, how we're gonna get through things and how we value equity in not just our students, but in our, student, our, our staff and our community, knowing that we can be ourselves and we can be who we are and no one feels ashamed of where they come from or what they they're, you know, excited about or what they want to celebrate. That to me is, is an example of our creed and, and our culture continuing the same and just continuing to build it up. I know both of you so value the educators and how important they are to our students and our schools. 
And I'm just curious to hear, how can we best support educators in our school communities and also across the state? And I know you all are noticing some trends that are worrisome. We've got to listen to our educators. Um, our educators are so fragile at the moment. Um, and I don't think any type of monetary, you know, prize or treat or any anything that we can dangle in front of them right now is going to help unless we listen and we learn and we do something, we act on what, what they're saying to us because it's more than just, hey, I need a raise. It's more, it's more than that. They need that social support, that social emotional support. They also need to know that we care about them as well. And, um, and, and what's going on in our society is, is, is in the school, is in the classroom, and it's impacting all of us in different ways. And I think we have to listen. We also have to acknowledge um, what everyone's going through. And, and I would, I don't really feel like that's kind of been what everyone's doing. Everyone's worried about me, 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 and, and not really how can we continue to support education as we're moving through this pandemic. When thinking about my teachers right now, they're really just kind of hanging on. And we just had spring break last week and they were just so excited to be able to have spring break and have that break. Um, and when they came back on Monday, yesterday, they were so excited to be back. And I was really excited about that. And then today, one day later, I already see this kind of, you know, the wind is coming back out of their sails. So we always talk about with children, we talk about you have to Maslow before you bloom. And for those of you who are educators, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we definitely say that about our children, but I would say that's the same thing for our educators. We have to really listen to what they need socially, emotionally. And Sandy, I wanna say 100%, it doesn't matter how many free donuts we give them. It doesn't matter how many free lunches we give them or how many little free lunch boxes we are able to buy for them. That's not what they want. And and right now, because our children are very kind of a little detached and they don't necessarily understand still the difference between home rules and school rules, that they are making it difficult sometimes for teachers to feel that engagement with them. And, and our parents also have a detachment, right? So our parents are like, well, we can do it at home. We did it at home. You, you got them now. They're at school. You do all this with them. And so we are having a little bit of just detachment things. And I don't feel that my teachers are detached, but I feel like they are beyond exhausted um, because we had, we, you know, we came back with mask on, we came back with all these COVID rules, then we lifted the COVID rules. And now we're asking teachers to do some more things that they've never done before with not enough nurses, not enough social workers, not enough school counselors, and our teachers are trying to be everything. And, and listen, they're just people, right? They're going to make mistakes, but they still need those things that every human needs just to simply feel valued in this building. And Sandy, you're right. It's not about the things you give them. It's about how everybody makes a teacher and not just a teacher, right? But a teacher assistant. And your school counselors and everybody in the building building just simply feel valued. And right now, I think that our teachers, or my teachers anyway, our teachers at Cliffdale just don't always feel valued from not one another, because they definitely lift each other up, but from the students and, and also the parents, they don't always feel that value. Like, 
I'm making a difference. Because that's the only reason we're here, Marianne. We're only yeah. here to make a difference. Well, well, I want to thank both of you. Um, you both, I know, set very high bars for yourselves and also do everything you can to make sure that your educators and your students can achieve and achieve well. And this advice is very uh, very poignant today. And so thank you for all that you do every day, but also thank you for the challenges that you put out there for our state and our communities and our families. So uh, I know I'll have you back again because we have a lot more to talk about. After the break, we will be joined by Adrian Perry, a principal from Cabarrus County Schools. Thank you. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Participate Learning, uniting our world through global learning. Welcome back. I'm so glad to be joined by Adrian Perry, the principal of Hickory Ridge Elementary School in Cabarrus County Schools. Welcome, Adrian. Hey, thanks for having me. It's wonderful to see you. And as you know, I have long admired your approach to leadership, to kids um, and your schools, because you've been a principal in, in more than one school. And I wonder if you could just describe a bit, how are kids doing right now? What have you learned this school year as we hopefully are in fact emerging from the pandemic? It's been really great to see the students really start to emerge this year, right? So I think, um, you know, when we see things now in schools, it, it all looks a little more normal, right? It's it's not completely all the way back, but um, kids are are having a great time. They are excited. They're engaged. They're in small groups. They're going on field trips. They're um they're really like you're starting to see those sparks and the the excitement for yes I love school you know which is which is a great thing so I think you know over time we've certainly you know over the last several years of the pandemic things have changed a bit right and we've had to adjust our ways and we've had to really think through how we continue to meet the needs of kids and now we are coming hopefully toward um on the on the end of it and the kids are are really starting to come out of their shells again. And um, you, you can just, you can just see it. It just feels, it feels good. It feels, it feels like school. It feels like they're home and they're where they're supposed to be. That's awesome. And we also know just how important educators are to our students and our schools. How would you describe how we can best support educators in our school communities, but also across the state? What our educators have been through the last couple of years has been tough. You know, there's there's nothing about what we've asked them to do amidst the pandemic that has been easy, right? But the great thing is, is you you keep the kids at the forefront, right? You keep the kids at the center and and you take care of your educators and they in turn take care of the children too, right? So I think being patient, right? Knowing that it's going to take, it takes a little bit of time to get back in the swing to, to where we were three and four years ago before the pandemic, you know? And, and it's, and, and I think too, um, it's not always, we've learned things through the pandemic that, that I think are, have changed education um, for, for the better, you know, as we move forward. So I think that um, having a little bit of grace, giving support, um, feedback, being there, being in their corner, um, cheering them on every step of the way, helping with the communication, um, because, you know, when, when the pandemic happened, right, we had a level of um, um, support in our classrooms that we had never seen before, right? We had families in our classrooms all the time, you know, virtually. So I think that um, it is really nice. I think that that our parents are, are excited to start to get back to normal and be physically in the buildings, in the classrooms. And 
um, just giving grace to our educators and support and and whatever they need. You know, if they need something to help them be successful, you you figure out how to make it work. You've done a lot and had a lot of efforts around really the whole child and social emotional learning with pretty specific, I guess, and efforts in your school. I wonder if you could talk a little bit. School-wide, we have daily morning meetings and we have our um, social emotional curriculum that that our um, teachers all follow within the daily morning meetings. And, and the daily morning meetings are, are set there to help build community and collaboration and, and really um, give students start students off in a, in a really safe space that they're ready to learn for the day. Um, we also do uh, sensory integration and movement throughout the school. So we do a lot of work with how can you move purposefully? Like there's there's a difference between just a brain break and, and yes, you know, you need to get up and wiggle. All kids need wiggles. As an adult, I need to wiggle, right? But um, how do you purposefully add movement to your learning? So when we think through... Um, some of our, our kids participate in sensory rotations. We have some full sensory integration classrooms that start their day every morning with sensory rotations where they are um, having a, um, they could have hopscotch on the floor that they're um, doing their sight words as they hop through. They could have the, the ball cups that they're tossing and catching that they're um, you know doing multiplication facts or whatever is age appropriate for them. There are trampolines and balance beams and you know, just places for them to wiggle and move, but the, the rotations are very purposeful, right? And they're tied around, how can I move and cross my midline? Or what can I do to really help engage my brain so I'm ready to learn and really incorporating the academics into the, that movement? Um, we also, our students that aren't in the full sensory integration classrooms, we do school-wide professional development and, and show how do you incorporate movement purposefully? Um, so it's, it's more of when it's, you know, we're in fifth grade and we're learning about a specific subject in social studies. You can, um, you can do a hopscotch and recite, you know, the, the ways of, of a war that you're studying about or, or you know, wh whatever, right? You can get as creative as possible. The other thing that I think makes us unique, we have a, um, an encore classroom that all of our students go to. It's a sensory integration and mindfulness encore. And so our students get to go to this once every eight days and they in this classroom, so kindergarten through fifth grade, they participate in how do I do a sensory rotation? What does it look like? Um, and it's really fun just to go in there and watch because the kids are working on their balance incorporated with academics and they're working on their, um, you know, they might be bouncing on a trampoline and looking at sight words or, or whatever that, that fits with their specific learning needs. But um, those things we found over time when you engage students in movement and you engage them in movement while they are learning, they are, they are ready, right? They are much more ready to learn and they are kind of got the wiggles out and now it's time to really dig in for, for um, a lesson or, or, or whatever you may be doing next. So there's a lot of purposeful movement. I think I could probably tell you a lot more, but that's the, the, the outer gist of all the things that, that we do. But it's really just about kids and it's about meeting the needs of the kids, making sure that the kids have exactly what they need and helping them, helping increase engagement so that they're excited about school and that they're ready to learn what we're teaching. Whenever you talk about this, Adrian, I always want to come and uh, be in your school <laughs> and how fortunate uh, your students and educators are. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you are welcome anytime. 
Mary Ann, come on down. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for being here. And after the break, this week's final word. I have had the opportunity to work with hundreds of principals over the years, and I am often reminded about the very unique and often lonely position that principals have as school leaders. They are the only one in their building with their role, and they are the one who students, teachers, parents, and community members turn to when they're concerned about what's going on within a school. Principals are often unsung heroes, and this is especially true during the pandemic. Principals are the second most important school-related factor that impacts student outcomes, second only to teachers. Having a high-quality and well-prepared principal matters for students, for teachers, and for communities. You can quickly see the impact of principal's leadership when you walk into the building and when you walk around with a principal who clearly knows every student by name and even from the connections around activities or what's happening in their lives, it changes the school. Because of their unique perspective, principals have an understanding of the wants and needs of almost all stakeholders in their schools. From speaking with today's guest, it's clear that what is needed and wanted most in schools right now is support. Our principals today talked about what our students have gone through with the pandemic and how social and emotional learning is more important than ever as a critical foundation to ultimately ensure students are ready and able to learn. We are aware of the impact of adverse childhood experiences on students. Many children in our classrooms and adults that we know experience or have experienced adverse childhood experiences in their daily lives. These are called ACEs. ACEs include experiencing a potentially traumatic event like abuse or neglect, or living with a caregiver with a mental illness or substance abuse problem. At first glance, you may not think that this is the case for many of the children in your communities or that you know, but studies show that six in 10 individuals have at least one ACE. Additionally, nearly two thirds of adults report experiencing a significant adverse childhood experience before the age of 18 and more than one in five report experiencing three or more. It appears that the COVID-19 pandemic has led to even more students experiencing adverse childhood experiences as lives were disrupted and thrown into uncertainty. Now, as some of those students have returned to their schools and others have found themselves in completely new environments, schools are finding that an emphasis on social emotional learning is invaluable in helping their students readjust and continue to learn. One of the easily overlooked functions of schools, especially for young children, is socialization. Cliffdale Elementary Principal Suzanne Owen showed how the isolation of last year affected students' ability to build relationships and interact with one another and educators. Hortons Creek Elementary Principal Sandy Chambers shared how coming into this year, many students yet hadn't had the opportunity to develop work habits and understanding of school structure. Through a focus on the social-emotional learning lens, Owens and Chambers of Schools are aiming to help their students develop the self-awareness and interpersonal skills necessary to be successful in and beyond the classroom. Hickory Ridge Elementary Principal Adrian Perry also shared how important it is as a principal to let your teachers know that you have their back, creating environments in our schools that are equitable, safe spaces for both students and educators allows for our students to thrive. Despite ongoing confusion, the support of our schools can help our communities to grow into the future as long as our communities support our schools now. The need for support certainly does not end with students. Educators also had to readjust to being in the classroom while helping their students adjust to a changing environment. The topic of supporting teachers is not a new one here on Ed Matters, 
We know that teachers do tons of work to help our children grow into well-prepared citizens and that the work deserves to be valued. However, as today's guest pointed out, compensation is incredibly important in attracting educators to the profession and listening to them is critical when it comes to retaining educators. As the ones in the classroom every day, teachers provide a perspective that simply cannot be overlooked when foraging a path forward for our schools. Principals are our unsung heroes and empowering them to support their teachers, students, and communities is critical to ensure that every child has access to a high quality and equitable education. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today and we'll see you next week.